Welcome to the Control Your Cash podcast, hosted by Tim Urick and Olivia Kirk from Tier 1 Capital. Whether you're an entrepreneur, investor, or simply looking to improve your financial literacy, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Control Your Cash podcast. Today we're going to be talking about life insurance, specifically as it relates to how to attract, retain, and reward your key employees. Hi, I'm Olivia Kirk. I'm Tim Urich. We're from Tier 1 Capital, and we're here to show you how to regain control of your money. So tell us a little bit why executives and why companies and business owners would want to use life insurance instead of investments for attracting and rewarding their key employees. Well, there's a couple reasons. First and foremost is the fact that built into the life insurance, that with the death benefit, a company can get a true cost recovery of the benefits. And properly structured, you can utilize the cash values to help you know, fund a re, uh, an executive retirement plan or an exit strategy for the owner of the business. And then the death benefit, if the company retains the policy, the death benefit can be utilized to cost recover all of the premiums paid and the benefits paid out of that policy. That's why you see large corporations, uh, for example, banks. Banks utilize what's known as BOLI, bank-owned life insurance, and they utilize that to cost recover the cost of their benefit plans and also to fund their SERPs, Selective Executive Retirement Plans, for their key executives. And again, life insurance creates a nice little cost recovery, but then there's other benefits. The second benefit is if something happens to the executive before they reach the retirement age, you have the death benefit that would kick in. The corporation would get the death benefit and then they could pay the death benefit out as a guarantee of salary continuation for the executive that was deceased. And I think another big issue is the fact that life insurance, the cash values build up on a tax deferred basis. And what that means is the company doesn't have to pay tax on the growth inside that policy until they take it out, assuming the cash value is greater than the premiums paid in. So there's a lot of moving parts, so to speak, or a lot of little benefits that, up, that add up to a huge benefit to, for a company to utilize life insurance as the funding mechanism for their executive benefits. I got you. So, you know, in today's world, as a small business owner, there's a lot of competition for employees out there. At the end of the day, there's only one pool of talent, right? And everyone's competing for the most qualified people out there. So if you're a small business owner and you have a key employee who's an asset to the company, it makes sense to want to retain them because the cost of hiring someone could be 200% of what you're paying your key employee right now. So setting up these, these benefits for the employee and making them attractive to the employee, because at the 
end of the day, what, one out of every two employees is actively looking for another job out there, or at least open to the conversation. Um, it's important to make sure that you're competitive with what's out there in the market so you're not losing that key employee, losing their talent, losing all of that knowledge that they hold within themselves, and then having to start over from scratch at a higher cost. So um, how do you structure these plans to make it worthwhile for the employee to stay? Well, that's a good question. And so let, let's step back a little further, right? So during the great resignation, over 28 million people voluntarily left the workforce. They voluntarily quit their job and they went other places, maybe places where they were appreciated more, or maybe they were a place where they were getting executive benefits. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, think about this, at the height of this great resignation, four million people every month left their job. And that's especially troubling for small businesses because small business owners, the, a key employee in a small business might be the only employee within their geographic region that holds the skill set that the company needs. We had uh, one client, as you know, their, their project manager retired and the company literally did almost everything but stand on their head to get this guy to stay with the company. We'll let you work, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, we'll let you, you know, we'll give you extra time off. We'll pay you 50% more to work 40% less. And the guy said, listen, I'm 65. I've worked all my life. My wife and I are in good health. We want to travel. We have plans for retirement. There's nothing you can do to keep me. Here's the point. It took three people to replace that guy because of the skill set that he had. And that's something that more and more businesses are being confronted with on a daily basis. Now, here's another thing that has to be considered. A, a midsize or a large corporation is getting a lot of attention from the benefit planning companies because they have the critical mass to make it worthwhile for those businesses to put in large benefit packages for their executives or, or their, their group of key people. But a small business might only have one or two key people. So these benefit houses are looking at them and saying, well, you know, it's not really worth our time to just set up plans for two people when we can go and do basically the same amount of work and set it up for seven or eight people it's a lot easier and will, it's more profitable for them. So the small business owner is really being underserved in that market, if that makes sense. So to answer your question, how do you set up these plans? Well, it starts with a meeting with the company to see you know, what their appetite is or how they're being affected by what's going on out in the workforce. Do they have key people? If they left, what type of impact would that have on their cash flow, on their business? You know, a lot of times you get a guy who might be a great salesman and he, uh, you know, is, is doing 60, 80% of the company sales 
and all of a sudden he decides that he wants to start his own business. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden you've just trained your biggest competitor and <laughs> oh, by the way, he's taken all of your key customers and your key accounts. So you got to look at what can we do to make sure that this guy stays around? And a lot of times, <laughs> I heard one story, um, sort of similar situation. There was a guy who was a key salesman and he learned the business and he went to the company. He realized that he was 65% of the overall sales of the business. And he went to the owners of the company and said, hey, you know, give me 10% equity in the business. All he wanted was 10%. They're like, no, 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 you know, this is a family business. We're not. He said, oh, okay. He went out, started his own business within a very short period of time, two years, put that company out of business. You know, I mean, so that was really not a good Talk move. About worst case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the point. We could have designed a phantom stock plan mm -hmm. that would have, uh, mirrored yeah yeah would have mirrored the equity in the business but it would not have given actual stock our actual stock or an equity position and i bet the guy would have taken that he would have he would have loved that right because now he doesn't have any of the bad parts of the business <laughs> he just has the equity growth that's huge yeah so you know again Setting up these plans starts with a, a conversation with the business owners. And then here's the key point. Having that conversation with the executive, finding out what's important to that individual. And I'll give you an example. You know, we worked with a manufacturing company out in Long Island and we met with the executive. Oh, here's the other thing. They had, they brought in this consulting firm, biz, big time business consulting firm that did executive benefits from Chicago. So they bring in these hotshots from Chicago who charged them $18,000 to do an analysis that we did for, we would have done for free. And they did the analysis and then they came back with a plan that the executives weren't interested in because it wasn't. It didn't meet their objectives, it what they care about. Exactly. That's it didn't the meet most their objectives. Thing is, hey, do you care if we put this in place for you? Is this going to, to make you want to stay with us? You know, is this valuable to you? How much value will, would, do you see in this? They saw no value in it. They went to the company and the company said, well, that's going to cost too much to fund. It just was not from either side, whether from the executive or the company, it wasn't a viable plan. So the company now has a bad taste in their mouth and you know we get referred in, we come in and they're like you know sitting there with crossed arms because they're thinking this ain't gonna work because of their past experience. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you know we said was, listen, we'll do an analysis, it won't cost you anything. So that sort of brought their guard down a little bit. But then more importantly, we sat down and found out what the objectives of the company were which they wanted to reward the CEO who had been there so long and they wanted to reward him for growing the company. But then they had that CFO that they needed to do something for, that they wanted to reward him. But now doing it in a way that was beneficial or the, that was valuable to him. So we sat down, we had the key conversation with him 
and then all of a sudden found out that you know, he had an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. He needed to educate them, and he had gotten a late start in life. He hadn't planned and, and saved money for them. So we designed a plan that would pay $60,000 per year for each of his children for four years while they were in college. That's huge. In essence, we paid for, their, for his children's college education. As you know, when we delivered the plan, he was in tears with gratitude. Now the point is this, that guy ain't going anywhere. He's beholden to that company because that company is gonna educate both of his children and it won't have to come out of his pocketbook. Right, right. right? And, and so here's the deal. All he's gotta do is what he's been doing every day. Show up, go to work, do everything that he does and do it to the best of his ability. He's all in on that. Now he's got a greater incentive to look out for the benefits of that company. Why? Because that company is taking care of his, his responsibility, which is to educate his children. So the point is, getting to that valuable point or understanding what's important to the executive as well as what's important to the company, then our job is easy. Then we just find a way to make it happen. And the key is, there are so many different types of plans out there, we could help people to find the right plan for them that fits their budget, might be more you know, balance sheet or income statement friendly, and all of a sudden, now we're adding value. Right, because although you're quote unquote paying for, for this benefit, you're also building an asset that's on the company's books. So it's not, you're just dishing out all of this money and never seeing it on the balance sheet you have the benefit growing and accumulating within the plan. And then also on the back end, you have that cost recovery associated with the death benefit, which is a huge deal for the company because basically all of the money that you put into the plan, you're able to cost recover when that insured passes away. Yeah, and, and again, when you set it up properly, mm -hmm. we set it up where the company would get a rate of return, not only get their money back, but get it back at an opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden they're getting their money back, they're getting growth on that money, and they're locking in this key person and they're providing a benefit that is recognized as a huge, massive value for that executive. Again, that's the best way to do it. And you know, we've, as you know, we do that over and over and over again, but the key is having those key conversations. Exactly. And then thinking about it from a, a business perspective, right? Once that person dies and you get that death benefit, it infuses into the company, right? So you could expand the company, you could create another plan for your next key employee that you don't wanna lose. And it, it kind of creates a, a momentum within the company because Cash flow is the lifeblood to any business. So right. creating that perpetual motion by ensuring these key employees is actually a good thing from a current cash flow perspective and then those windfalls coming in down the line as well. Yeah, and, and think about this. Most companies, you know, there's a we have a saying, are you insuring your PCs, <laughs> right? Your personal computers, more than you're insuring your VPs. <laughs> And think about that. Computers don't make your business what it is. Your key people, all of your people, make your business what it is. You know, your business is just a building and it's equipment. But it's the people that are operating 
the equipment. It's the people that are inside the building that make your business successful. Doesn't it make sense to insure them? Because God forbid, if you lose one of them, that's going to cost you money to try to replace that person. I'm thinking about this from a, a family, a small family business perspective, um, this would be extremely beneficial for um, those multi-generational businesses. You know, yeah. the, the younger generation insuring that older generation while they're still insurable, while you could still afford that that cost yeah. um, on that person would be a huge a huge incentive, right? A yeah. huge relief off that second generation, right? Because, you know, think about the value that that original or older generation holds within the company. Right. And you think about, you know, the, the likelihood of a business going to the second generation or the third generation or even the fourth and fifth generation. It's, the, the odds are insurmountable for a company to get to the fourth generation. But yet we know a lot of businesses locally and nationally that ha are in the fourth and fifth and sixth generation that's where they did the planning. Mm -hmm. That's where they had the key conversations to make sure that everything was done properly, to make sure that the business could pass to that next generation in the most tax efficient and most effective way going forward. Are you a business owner tired of feeling like your finances are out of control? Do you wish you could minimize risk and maximize returns without sacrificing the growth of your business? Then Tier 1 Capital is the solution for you. Tier 1 Capital is a company that specializes in helping business owners take control of their finances and achieve financial success. Their mission is to empower their clients and enable them to make informed financial decisions that benefit their business. At Tier 1 Capital, they understand that financial institutions and the government can hinder your business's growth, which is why they strive to identify areas where you may be unknowingly and unnecessarily giving up control. They provide expert guidance to help you reduce tax burdens, increase returns, and build wealth in a tax-efficient manner. So if you're looking to take your business's finances to the next level, visit tier1capital.com today and start your journey to financial success. So when you're we're, when we're thinking about you know multi generational family businesses, how important is that cash flow in, in making sure that the business is able to go multi generations? Because um, you know when when the key person dies, when you know the first generation passes away, they not only you not only lose that family member, but you also lose that family member's mentorship and their knowledge and and their relationships often could go with them. You know, you you yeah. didn't have those um, relationships. You didn't build those relationships as firmly necessarily as that first generation. So, you know, you're, you're up against a lot, um, you know, when that first generation passes away. And not only that, but maybe the proper planning wasn't put in place and you have to buy mom out of the business now. You know, right. how are you going to do that when now you've lost your relationships, you've lost the revenue, um, you're still figuring out all of the things that that person was doing. Um, the cash flow could make a huge difference in those, those situations. Oh, yeah. And then you have another issue. And the other issue is maybe the banking relationships that the business had 
were with the, let's say the founding generation and all of a sudden the founder dies and the bank doesn't have the same relationship with that next generation and that next generation doesn't have the, maybe the talent, maybe it does, but it certainly doesn't have the relationships. And all of a sudden now, you know, uh, a very good banking customer all of a sudden becomes not quite as good. And now the bank looks at this, or, you know, uh, yeah, we understand you need more money to, you know, an increased credit line and some, some equipment loans, et cetera. We understand you need that money, but, you know, we had a great relationship with your dad. We don't, we don't know you. And you don't have as much of a track record. And your dad had all the relationships, you know, with, you know. It all of a sudden becomes riskier for the bank. It becomes a riskier proposition for the bank. But here's the point. What could solve that problem for the next generation? Wouldn't it be, so the problem is the death of the founding generation. Wouldn't the solution be, wouldn't it be neat if you could have the, the event that triggers the problem, the death of the, of the founding generation, wouldn't it be cool to have that same event, the death of that individual, trigger the solution to inject the company with cash? I mean, it's just efficiency of money. So now think about what you could do. You can set up a succession plan for the founding generation, an exit strategy, funding these benefits. And then when the founder dies, you get an injection of cash that the second generation or the next generation could utilize to continue to, to, to operate the business and possibly to grow the business. It's all possible. It just becomes an issue of, are you doing the proper planning? Yeah, at the end of the day, the planning is is going to be the key. Setting up those those documents with the lawyers, also setting up the plans that are properly funded, that have the proper amount of death benefit to allow these goals to be accomplished because it is possible at the end of the day, but it's not possible if you don't do the proper planning, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. And, and so oftentimes we'll see that where companies didn't do the proper planning or they did the planning and it wasn't set up properly or it was underfunded, or God forbid, they use the wrong types of insurance. And we see that so often. Um, it's a shame, but it, it happens. With the proper planning, anything is possible, especially when it comes to family business or small business, it's important to address these issues, make sure that proper planning is in place so that what you want to have happen is going to happen, even if you're not there to see it happen. Many times small business owners and family business owners are putting their heart and soul into this business only to have their years of hard work, dedication and perseverance demolished at their death, you know, because at death come, there's a lot of costs. There's a lot of things that need to happen at that time that cost money and time. So if you'd like to get started with a plan designed for your family business, your small business, to make sure it makes it to that next generation or 
to make sure that you're able to exit without bankrupting the business or without closing those doors, check out our website at tier1capital.com. Schedule your free strategy session today. We'd be happy to speak with you about your specific situation. Also on our website, we have a free guide, the six critical questions to ask when doing this type of planning. Just click on the button that says business planning guide under our free resources. Thanks for listening to the Control Your Cash podcast. I'm Tim Urich. Until next time. <laughs> I'm Olivia Kirk. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Control Your Cash podcast. Remember, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep that really matters. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes.